Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Joni Mitchell Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Scott Johnson. In the last episode, I made mention of the fact that things are going to change just a little bit. I'm going to continue to talk to guests about their favorite Joni Mitchell record, of course. It's what the main focus of this podcast will always be. However, occasionally I'm also going to speak to guests about their biggest influence, i.e., whoever is to them what Joni Mitchell is to me. Today, I'm going to be speaking to my friend Sarah Morris about the great Alison Krauss. Sarah will tell you more about her music in just a minute. As always, I want to invite you to check me out online. My name is Zachary Scott Johnson. It's Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, and Scott only has one T, S-C-O-T, and Johnson is J-O-H-N-S-O-N. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you would like. Please also consider checking out my YouTube project, The Song A Day Project. It's all one word squished together, The Song A Day Project. It's run for over 1,500 consecutive days, which is over four years now without missing any days. Just a quick note, relatively early in our conversation, Sarah and I talk about going to the same university, which is Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin. We talk about the fact that we did not meet there, which is true. However, we I realized after recording why. Uh, she, she graduated Lawrence in 2001, which is the year that I started there. Well, she graduated in May, and I didn't start until September. So, of course, we didn't meet there. We were there in two different halves of the same year. Didn't occur to us at the time, but we realized it afterwards and wanted to correct that and let you all know that, yes, we are aware of it, too. We're ready to start the show. Back for episode five of the Joni Mitchell podcast. I'm joined today by my guest, my friend, Sarah Morris. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for meeting me here. Of course. Absolutely. In my house. Yes. In my dining room. <laughs> It's very nice. I like, you've got pictures of your whole family right behind you. It's very mm-hmm. nice. It's kid free for the moment. So yes. We gotta... Although you live right by an elementary that's school. That's my. That's where my son is. So really. Yeah, we can. That's very convenient. <laughs> can walk across yeah. the street. We're no out. dummies. We planned. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we get too far into our topic, which is kind of interesting in and of itself, right. a left turn for the podcast. <laughs> tell us about you and your music, if you will. I'm a fan of yours, but anybody who uh, who is unfamiliar with you, give them sure. the 411. Okay. Uh, I am a singer-songwriter. I went to Lawrence University, Conservatory of Music, maybe a fan. What up, what up? Right. Um, <laughs> And I have been in town after spending some time in Nashville. I've been in town now for 10 years and kind of very slow and steady building my career and working on my writing. And in the last few years, since I had my son and my daughter, I have kind of kicked things up a notch and I have a band that we've been now together for five years. They're the Sometimes Guys. Nice. Mm -hmm. And we just released an album, Ordinary Things, last September, September 2015. Record. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, it was in 2014. I started kind of like your song a day project, but I started uh, writing a song a week as part of a group on Facebook, and that was really. I'm just, a fan of that whole thing too. Yes. The real women, real songs. I think yes. that's a great thing. I want to be in that group. Who's in charge of that group? Isn't it Carrie Cooper still? I don't know. Did they? I, I don't know. I don't know if they're back. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't think they're. They doing did the it one right year, now, but the group. So the group I did was inspired by that group, and it was just. Oh, I thought a, Carrie was part of that. I don't know her. Oh no. I guess not. Okay. I thought Carrie Cooper was the one who Who's started Carrie it. Cooper? Well, she started oh, it, I okay. think. 
That's what Tracy Grammer told me. Oh, you have many more friends than I do. My friend, well, she was my friend now, but these people that I'd never had met before, but like were Facebook people, posted something in uh, May of 2014 that was like, we're going to do this song a week challenge. And right. I had just finished doing The Artist's Way for the third time. Have you ever done The Artist's Way? No. By Julia Cameron? No. Oh, it's a wonderful, it's a 12-week, like, um, you read a chapter on creativity, and then you have exercises. And nice. Of course. And then, um, so I just finished that in another kind of similarly creative uh, course, and I was looking for something new, and so I did this, and I did, just signed up with these strangers to write a song a week, and I found it really inspiring and just opening, and so... Um, so June of 2014, we did 12 weeks like that, and then I just kept writing two songs a week or two songs a month after that. And so then an album, Ordinary Things, came out of that, and I was really proud of that. And um, and I still have kept with that pace of when the challenge is happening, it happens seasonally. Mm-hmm. But then I'm writing once a week, and when it's not, I try to get two songs done a month, and I post them at, on Facebook with little videos the moment they're they're done. Right. So. I perform in the cities quite a bit. Last year it was 70 shows. This year it's I'm at 80 right now, and we've done I've done some shows out of town this year, which yeah. has been a huge difference yeah. for me. And recently I also started touring with a very good friend of mine, Vicki Emerson, a friend of yours. Yes, she was the well. very first guest on this show. Yes, your pilot episode. Yes. Um, Vicki is like me, a, a mom of two kids, trying to balance creative life with. Yeah. In the trenches parenting. And we did some really great music business work earlier this year. We each promoted our album to the Americana Music mm-hmm. Association charts and had so much fun uh, supporting each other in that manner that we decided to do some shows together. And the shows were so much fun that we decided to become official. We You're a duo. We're an official duo. Uh, our name is The Home Fires. And we have some really great shows coming up. When is this airing? It'll go up later this week. Okay. Yeah. So we are playing in Faribault for the MMC Minnesota Music Coalition Caravan du Nord on Friday, November 11th. Yeah, it'll be before that. Okay. Yeah. We should op- go check that out. We're opening for Frankie Lee, and the Counterfactuals are also playing, and that's going to be fantastic. Um, and we're playing in Lacrosse at the Root Note on the 12th, and we're going to play at Crescendo in Madison nice. on November 18th. And then we're doing a house concert on November 19th. And in town, we'll be playing View Carré together, happy hour, November 30th. And then I have some holiday shows coming up with my band. Um, the big one is December 10th at the Astor Cafe in Northeast Minneapolis. Nice. That okay, night, it will be Sarah Morris and the Sometimes Elves. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. And you can find that all out <laughs> at my website, which is sarahmorrismusic.com. Okay, the most impressive part about that whole thing, you didn't look at a calendar, you just knew all that. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know where I'm going After this? further than a week out. <laughs> I know where I am every, like, this coming weekend, but right. beyond that, I just can't. Yeah. I can't do it in my head anymore. Well, but. I wish, you know, honestly, I I don't need to, right? I have a phone, so I should <laughs> kick all that info out. If But you just did it masterfully. <laughs> Thank it, you. It, it helps to know all that, too, yeah. because it helps you kind of prep. I think you're a better prepared person than I am is what it comes down to. Well, every date has to be run through the gamut of, like, is my husband in town as well? Right. And, like, if not, who's the babysitter? And so I feel like right. there are the dates get hammered in my head. Yeah. special because yeah. there's a lot of things that have to be lined up to make them happen yeah, absolutely my husband is for instance going to barcelona in between like the shows with vicky so i was oh, like wow. we had to get like everything 
lined up real neat to oh, make wow. his business trip happen. Things work, Ooh, businesses yeah. in Barcelona. I don't know. What? You did just say business trip in quotation I did that marks. because I just feel like work doesn't happen there. That's probably true. Or it's a different kind of work. It's a, it's a more enjoyable, casual, yeah. right? European yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, a couple things. I know we're going to get to the reason that we're talking, but a couple things that you talked about in there is the Lawrence University connection. Yeah. I also went to Lawrence. Yes, you did. I think we overlap by a year. When did you graduate? I graduated in 2001. Right, and that's when I started. That was okay. my freshman year. But we didn't meet there. No. At least that I remember. Probably not. Right, we could have, but yeah. It's my a senior year, school. I was not making new friends. Right. <laughs> like, I was like, no, Nobody at I've got my does. five friends. <laughs> By year four, you're out. There. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, so what was funny is we met when we were playing back to back at a festival. Yes, at Hopkins. At Hopkins, which Raspberry is a great gig. Raspberry Jam. I love that. Um, I love that whole place, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, I loved your set so much that I introduced myself to you. And I don't know how we made the Lawrence connection. I think maybe we friended each other on Facebook and just yeah. put it together because we had so many mutual friends mm-hmm. from Lawrence, maybe. Um, something like Were that. Were you concert master? No. Oh, dear oh, God. Okay. No. <laughs> I don't know why. Dear For some God, reason in my no. head, I was like, I think I knew you because you were concert master. No, okay. no, no. I'm not that good. Especially classically, no. <laughs> my violin teacher didn't know what to do with me. Yeah, actually. that's how my voice professor felt, although she really made a giant effort to meet me See, where I was, which was good. beautiful. My violin professor didn't get me until I gave him a copy of my first CD when it first came out. And mm. then he totally did because I played violin on that. And he goes, oh, this is what you want to do. Right. Not, you don't want to play Beethoven. You don't want to play, you know, that stuff, which is true. I would love to have the capability, the technical capability of playing that stuff, but I never will. Yeah. And you know, I'm capable of playing the way that I play. And so he got it then. And that was a really good way for us to like yeah. figure that out. It's just a shame that it took three years to get to that point, maybe even four years to get to that point. But we eventually got there. Yeah. Uh, we actually always had a good relationship. It was always based on kind of a humorous, I don't know what to do with you kind of thing. It was never. <laughs> Here you are again. Yes. <laughs> Another day. He wants my favorite. I have a lot of favorite stories of him actually, but I remember one time. I showed up at a lesson and he said, just kind of jokingly, he said, he was trying to like, you know, uh, pump me up and he said, you're not going to play a wrong note today. And I said, oh yeah? And he goes, yes. And if you do, you have to buy me lunch today. I said, you know what? Let's take the pressure off. And I walked out of his office. I walked next door to Herbs and Gerbs, yeah. bought him lunch, and brought it back and said, now I can play all the wrong notes oh, I want. That's so smart. And he, and he goes, yeah, okay. That's fantastic. It really did happen a very that way. wise college well, student. My goodness. Anyway, <laughs> so we're here to talk about great Allison Krauss. Yes, this whose is, name is not Joni Mitchell. This is the first episode <laughs> of the Joni Mitchell podcast where we're not talking about Joni Mitchell. There are a couple reasons for that. You're not a huge Joni fan. You don't dislike Joni. Correct. But you're just not. I asked you to do this podcast and you said, I don't know if I really feel like I can talk about Joni that much. Right. It would have been a very short <laughs> podcast. Do you have any like favorite Joni Mitchell? Just apropos what, of nothing. Circle game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, that one is, it's kind of the meaning of life in it that is. song, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you you gave me three options to choose from, which were uh, for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. One was Alison Krauss, which I was immediately excited about. I love her. I think she's the best voice in bluegrass music history. 
one of the most important voices in music history, period. Mm -hmm. Your next option was Patty Griffin, who I'm obsessed with on the same level as Joni Mitchell. Mm -hmm. So it was that same thing where I was kind of like, I would love to talk about Patty Griffin. I can't do just one episode on Patty Griffin. So we either have to commit to doing like a series of Let's meet every week, which I could do, but... Or we can talk about Alison Krauss. And then the third one was Mariah Carey. That's right. And I had the same reaction to Mariah Carey that you <laughs> did to Jody Mitchell, which is I don't think I can hold up my end of the conversation. Yeah. I love I love the like radio hits. Who doesn't love her voice? Well, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when I was 12, I received the first Mariah Carey album, self-titled. I had Vision of Love, of love on it and cassette in my Easter basket. Mm-hmm. And then my family had a trip out to um, Mount Rushmore, so oh, yeah. I had a lot of time with oh, my yeah. walk. I just did that trip this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm also telling you all how old I am that I've got the Walkman and the I have whatever. It too. Um, but I, it was the first time that I was really obsessed with a with a voice and a voice, like the singing right. voice as well as like I just I typed out all of her lyrics. Really? You know, even though I w- had read them in the little, you know, I had the cassette booklet, but I like. I felt compelled to type them out because they expressed so deeply sure. what I was feeling about every single boy I loved <laughs> from like 12 to 15. And I um, and I would cut out pictures of her from the magazines. And I mean, like, whereas other girls are doing this about boys, right. they, right, no. I did this about Mariah and I had an entire wall from floor to ceiling with pictures of Mariah wow. So, wow, you were a big fan. And she is a songwriter, you know, and that was the first time that I was, was conscious question. of... She writes her songs. Yeah, and some of them are co-writes, but okay. it was really the first time that I was ever conscious that that was part of the game. I, To tell you the truth, I had no... I, it would not have occurred to me that she might be a writer. Mm-hmm. So that's oh, yeah. already very interesting. She, Does she play? I don't know. I, I don't know that. I think she would probably... I mean, she's she never plays in her shows around, because right. she's wearing, like, heels and right. diva arms and there's no room for... <laughs> Instrument. And sit down at the piano. But and... I had this vid- video of her, like they came out to promote her album, and it was she would talk about how at her job that she would like work on the little song clips, and then she would call her voice, her like answer machine at home, yeah. to leave the her little fragments. You oh, know okay, what I'm sure. doing on my iPhone. Right. She was doing like by calling up her, her home answer machine nice. to like leave these things. And I don't know, I just never thought of that as a thing before I was 12. That's she a was great the idea. artist that introduced me to the concept of writing and um, you know, she wrote that co-wrote that Christmas song that like everyone yeah. co- I mean, yeah. that pays for your whole life. Yeah. All you ever need to do is write a song like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was Oh, I had no idea that oh. she was a writer. Okay. Now I'm more curious about her, to tell you the truth. Well, Maybe you I'll... let me know if, if like, in 100 episodes from now you want to sit yeah, back down. that'd be good. Okay. <laughs> so, Alison Krauss, yes. what, what brought you to Alison Krauss? What, you know, give us the backstory on what it was about her that kind of drew you in. Yeah, so I had a boyfriend. And I, he's now my husband, so that works out really well. But he introduced me to the the first thing was the her cover of Keith Whitley's "Would You Say Nothing at All." Sure. And that really was, I think, what brought her to a larger oh yeah audience, because before then she'd been pretty strictly bluegrass. And when I heard that song, I don't know, I just never heard a voice like that. It was so it just it struck me so deep. Um, and uh, at the time, her most her current album was. 
it was a compilation album called Baby Now That I Find You, a collection, and it has that song on there. Yeah, I have that record. Yeah, it's a record. great, it is. And, and, um, and I just, I, I loved it. And, um, and then after that, she had So Long, So Wrong, and that mm-hmm. was her album with her band. And I started to see them live, and I just, I don't know, I've just, I still, like, her voice gets me, like, no other voice. How would you describe her voice? I think of it as, like, the purest voice. Yeah. She's always described as angelic, which I think is very accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of an overused thing for female yep. voices in particular, but the, like, ethereal... But it's so pure. It's so pure. And I feel I always feel like when I hear angelic, like, it has a little more weight to it than that, you know? I don't know. My other favorite female voice is Karen Carpenter. Oh, really? And I feel like they have very similar, yeah. like, purities, yeah. right? Except for we've got the soprano and right. the alto. And um, she has a way with... You know, she has great enunciation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, you understand every word, but it's never off-putting. It's right. never... It's never in a way that you, like, okay, Broadway syllables or, right. you know, whatever. We know about your choir experience. Um, and, you know, she is not often a songwriter. Right. She pretty much, at least on her albums exclusively, records other people's music, but I think that she chooses songs in a way that's... It, Clearly, like, it's still her voice. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And she loves sad songs. I love sad songs. I do, too. I call my most recent record sad songs. That's a good title. Yeah. it's. It, I relate to that very much. And I like what she has said about sad songs. Because I think it's hard to communicate why... Or I found it difficult to communicate why I like sad songs. Yep. Because it doesn't mean that you're a sad person no. at all. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a way of... Like, that's your outlet to sad, which is an important emotion for everybody to feel at various times. Like, we need that. And, um, you know, I'm just not the... For me, as a writer, I wrote this record, Sad Songs, because, like, if I'm happy, I'm not writing about it. That's just not how I work. You know, I'm doing something else. But Mm -hmm. if I'm upset about something, that is when I choose to write. So it makes sense to write. You and me both. Yeah. Happy songs are really hard to write. They're very hard to write. Very hard to write. And so, you know, I've always been drawn to we were just talking about Patty Griffin she's mm-hmm. got like three happy songs you know yep. she writes nothing but sad <laughs> songs Emmy Lou Harris is a big one for me of course mm-hmm. Sean Colvin and Lucinda mm-hmm. Williams all those people they never write happy songs mm-hmm. you know and those are the people that I listen to more than anybody else in the world I don't know Alison Krauss got like the best I think she's got such an insane she she's so good at not over singing yes. things. Mm-hmm. She's got such good control. Mm-hmm. She's got insane breath control too. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, like for somebody who doesn't over sing to just like sit on a note, she doesn't embellish on it and just it, yeah. it has to be perfect. And she is perfect. And she's that way live. It's not studio trickery. Oh no. She's it is that absolutely. Way. I mean I've seen her in I've seen her live many, many times. How many times have you seen her? I think I've seen her twice. Oh, I feel like I've seen her ten. Wow. Or, you know, and then there's been other times, like when I lived in Nashville, where I would see her as part of, uh, like, Opry Nights, you know? So it's like ten, probably ten concerts of hers, and then others. Um, And I think the other thing about her is that I really love... And I didn't appreciate this necessarily when I was younger, but I love the way she uses her band. Yeah. And I love the way all of there's always a sense of we're not going to make a note unless we need to make a note. Yes. Like we're going to let it be. We're going to have space. Totally agree. Um, when I lived in Nashville, I bartended, 
And I used to bartend on like the weekend, the Sunday afternoon shift when it was pretty slow. And one day this gentleman came in and we talked for like a long time and not about anything music related at all. And then I took his credit card and I swiped it and I was looked at it and I was like, oh my God, you are Gary Pachosa. And he's like, yeah. Like you're the recording engineer on all of the Alison Krauss albums, <laughs> and I was like, you know, this is the level of geekery that wow. I've read all of these sure. liner notes, you know. But but I was also like, you're clearly a crucial. He also produced some of the albums, like clearly a crucial element to this right. because I feel like it's all the things. It's the song choice. It's the letting there be space in the music. It's her incredible phrasing. Yeah, you know, it's her instrument being what it is and then choosing people like Jerry Douglas to play right. with you and Ron Black and you know Dan Tominsky and Absolutely. Well, I think she's she's smart enough. This is another thing that I when I think of the best live bands in the world, she's for sure. I mean, they might be number 1 actually. So good. Um I think of I, this is a total polar opposite, but I do think of the E Street Band as one of the best bands in the yeah. world for very different reasons, but you know, they're just in their own way perfect. And then the other one actually is Lyle Lovett's band. Mm. I just, you know, that big band there. And it's actually very similar with Lyle Lovett and Alison Krauss. And that's some crossover too. There's probably, yeah, a crossover between the bands, but they're smart enough to surround themselves with the best musicians mm -hmm. possible. A lot of times the ego doesn't allow that right. because they want to be the best yes. one on stage. But both Alison Krauss and Lyle Lovett, not only do they surround themselves with the best bands, but they give the other people their moments to shine. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes entire songs. Oh, yeah. They give Jerry Douglas an entire song or two in the live shows. Yeah. Lyle Lovett lets his backup singer sing a song. You know what I mean? They're smart enough to do that, and it makes for a so much better balanced show. But mm -hmm. again, sometimes the ego doesn't allow that, so they are yeah. so smart for doing that. Really, very, yeah. very smart. I agree. And in her live show, she's very funny. Yeah. And that was always something that really appealed to me because I love because I love the sad songs, yeah. you know. And I, like you know, your whole thing about the sad songs, like I get exactly what you're saying. And mm -hmm. anyone who's a sad song lover immediately is like, I get, yeah. you know. And then there's other people, and that's fine. You can be another person. <laughs> but um, but you know, so I always felt like such a complete show. Like I'm getting the sad songs and I'm laughing and um, yeah. I remember the couple times that I've seen her. I think both times that I've seen her have been at Ravinia, which is in northern mm. Illinois. And um, I remember for some reason very distinctly her singing the, um, the what is the carpet? Uh, don't, no, uh, 588 to 300 <laughs> yeah. Because that's based out of Chicago. I think she grew up uh, in Decatur, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. So there was something about she remembered seeing that TV ad. And I don't remember how it came up, but I remember her singing that and being like, Right. You know, that's a very spontaneous, lovely moment. Yes. That's not planned. Right. And I've always, anytime I've seen her, I felt like that is, that that they're all there committed to, here mm -hmm. we are right now, and this is this show versus yeah. whatever. And, and I, you know, I do my best. I feel like I've surrounded myself with, you know, fabulous musicians who are also wonderful humans. Yeah. And when we get on stage together, my goal is always to make it be that kind of you know this is where we are and let's make it this moment the best versus right. like a recycled version of you know something yeah. right um, yeah to touch on I guess I probably don't need to it's it might be redundant to say this because it's one of the things you were just saying about her band um, but just how tasteful they are especially actually in their studio stuff mm -hmm. but also live in terms of it would be so easy for them to compete for those solos right but they don't no nope. it's very clear 
this is Ron's song. Mm-hmm. He gets this, and sometimes they split the solos, and it's very distinctly. That's something that I struggle with. So when I make records, I play all the instruments just because I know how to play all the instruments. <laughs> but the problem with that is, like, it, it just becomes kind of it's all just kind of this wall of sound thing yeah. instead of what I would like to do and I'm constantly reminding myself to do and yet I'm never perfectly successful in doing is do the Alison Krauss method Alison Krauss method of like playing it that way and being just perfectly clear and be tasteful she's yep. so tasteful in yes. her choices they are tasteful yep. it's not just her it's all of them yeah I like tasteful Union Station is just maybe the best band in the world so good one of the things that struck me when I was doing a little bit of research on her, mm-hmm. I think she's 45 right okay. now, something like right. that. It seems like she's been around forever. Yeah, well, she started when she was so young. Exactly. It's because she was born in 1971, and her first record came out in 1985. That's crazy. That's 14 years. Yeah. Her first record came out when she was 14, and then she like, has been doing one. She, she's put out, uh, I wrote it down here, how many records? She's putting out her 17th record. Right? I just saw that Windy City, but I'm very excited. And that's a solo, not a... Right. But she still utilizes the same musicians. But I always think that's interesting, too, when she chooses to... You know, she did Forget About It was a solo album as well. Do you know why? It was structured in her record deal that way. That she had to, early in her career. I don't know if by that time it was, but early in her career, I think she was on the Rounder record. She's been on Rounder forever. Okay, well then maybe it is the same. Yeah. Early in her career, it was structured that she would do a collaborative record with the band and then a solo record. Mm -hmm. They would alternate it. And so that's what she did for a long time. Okay. So her first record came out in 1985. Yep. Uh, her first solo record came out two years later, 1987, and then the first Union Station record came out in 1989. So every other year there was like this band thing. Yeah. And so yeah, they they alternated. Oh, okay. How often they would do these that makes sense. these things? I'm not sure what the reason for that would be, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, I have no idea actually what the reason. Like for that from would a have business, been. yeah. yeah. It doesn't make much of a difference. Like, there's nobody out there who's like, oh, I would love this Alison Krauss record, but I'm not going to buy it if the station's <laughs> The on band's it. on it. Yeah, no. I mean, anyone who loves her, like, loves the whole yeah. experience, for sure. I'm excited about Windy City. Um, it seems like it has been a longer time this time. I don't know why it feels like oh, that. Oh, it's because it has been. The last one was 2011, Paper Airplane, and so... No, it's five years. It's been five mm-hmm. years. And I know she's had some, not like major health problems, right, but, but they said voice. it was taking a while because she's had, she's had some voice stuff, but she also had migraines, I guess. Oh. They And actually, I think it was with Paper Airplane, that record, it took a couple of years to get that one out yep. even because they said she was constantly having migraines. And so mm. the studio time just got, kept getting shuffled around. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. This is stuff from the internet. Who no, knows? no, that but, makes sense. Yeah, and then she had some sort of voice thing. Do you know anything about the voice thing? I, I just know that there was a little voice thing, and then it's... I mean, she's toured fairly steadily throughout right. all this time. I mean, she tours in the summer. Um, yeah. She hasn't been here in a, a little bit, but yeah. she does tour pretty steadily, so... I distinctly remember looking, you know, I get so excited about summer concert season, which, I don't know, I, I, I mean, you and I are the same, I know, in that we play so much during the summer <laughs> that we don't get to see people nearly as often no. as we'd like. But Alison Krauss is one of those people that, like, I think 
you, I would make it happen, you mm-hmm. know, like just to go see her. I had to do that with Bonnie Raitt this year where like, you know, I was like, no, not playing that night. Although it was, it was a Monday night, so it was easier. But oh, you saw her at the fair. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those things where like, no, she's coming through, we're setting that aside. We're yeah. going to the show. Yeah. You know, it's, that's important sometimes. But yeah, Allison Cross hasn't played around here the last couple of years. No, the last two, like uh, two summers ago, or maybe last summer, she was on tour with Willie Nelson. Right. And, and Casey uh, Musgraves Casey Musgraves opened her and Jason Isbell opened for some of the I shows know. and uh, but she didn't she came to Illinois not here right or Virginia, Iowa, okay. Yeah, yeah okay so so yeah it's been a while since I have seen her um, but I feel like the last time I saw her was at the Orpheum have you seen her in any uh, other configuration besides the Opry Nights obviously that's its own whole thing but have you seen her in any configuration other than the Union Station thing no you just didn't like, see like the Robert Plant I didn't go see anything. the Raising Sand no because I do love that album <laughs> but I didn't I don't have the same attachment I don't that. either Mm-mm. it's yeah it's like you say I respect that album I like mm-hmm. it um, I also feel like there's something with Robert Plant that like people go so crazy over him mm-hmm. and and rightfully so I mean mm-hmm. he's a legend and it, it's its own thing but I felt like I don't know yeah it's it's totally unjustified but I kind of like I'd be there for Allison Krauss yeah. you know and I'm sure there would be other people there too but I guess I'd feel outnumbered I don't know if that makes any sense but I like it does to me <laughs> I feel like I would be going and like it's like going for the opening act which I have done before mm-hmm. And you don't care about the well, you care about your. It's like well, whatever. Right. Um, I, yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, I'd like to be the opening act that people come for. That's yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it's not a bad thing at all no. to be in that position. But I wasn't inspired. I guess is the bottom line. Although I don't know if Buddy Miller was on that tour with them, but Buddy Miller made that record. Mm, yeah. And he's just the. I, I he's so incredible too that quite right. frankly, like if he was playing with them, which I imagine he would have. T Bone made that record. T Bone did for real. Yes, and Buddy Miller did the next the album with Robert with Plant. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought Buddy was involved with them from the. He beginning. might have played, but but T Bone Burnett made the record. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Glad we had, I'm glad we cleared that up. I'm um, here for you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, nice. So do you know anything about Windy City? It's been really secretive. Just that it's uh, been produced by Buddy Cannon, and I okay. read a just a little blurb about how she did the song choices and how she how kind of organically it, it happened, and mm-hmm. that some of her Union Station people are playing on it. So. We don't even know like when it's coming out, right? No. I'm, I'm excited because it's been a really long time, and... Yeah. Um, and I liked Paper Airplane, but it wasn't my favorite of the album. Me too. So I'm, I'm ready to be reconnected. Paper Airplane is kind of... it. Um, so they said something about the record before that was... Lonely Runs Both Ways. Right. Which I, was one of my like very favorites. Me too. Mm-hmm. And actually the one before that, New Favorite too. Those yes. two are like just really perfect records. And like mm-hmm. you say, Paper Airplane is great. It if is so good. If anybody else had made it, you would be. it would be a totally. top choice. But... Mm-hmm. Um, so what was interesting was I read that Lonely Runs Both Ways, they were all saying that that record they felt completely unprepared for, that it was a situation. I don't know if they've been touring a lot and were like, oh, shoot, we have to make a record. Mm-hmm. But they it, that was a situation was they kind of figured it out as they went, mm-hmm. whereas normally it's very like, you know, the, everybody brings a couple songs to the table and they make their choices and they're, they know what they're doing before they go into the studio, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Lonely Runs Both Ways doesn't feel like that. But that record doesn't feel like that to me. But Paper Airplane does. (laughs) And it's not that there's anything wrong with it. It just feels like it's a very fast record somehow. Like there's only 11 songs and it feels like 
by the time it's over, it feels like you're just getting into it in a weird way. I feel like the song textures don't change as much as the other one. That's as, true, As true. some of the previous ones. So for me, when I would listen to it, my ears would start to, like, turn off a little. Like, mm-hmm. it was coming, it was becoming background music in a way that I digest other... Like, Lonely Runs both ways. I, at the time, so we also knew in Nashville, one of her assistant engineers, who let us come into the studio and listen to Gravity from the mixing board. Wow, nice. And I got to go to the CD release party for Lonely Runs Both Ways, so I have like both a emotional connection to it because I yeah. feel like a little brush with you know all of it. But all the songs to me are perfect song choices, and she worked with. I feel like she has three R.L. Castleman selections on there, mm-hmm. and he is a songwriter she's gone to time and time again. And where I think like as someone who doesn't write her own songs, she has found someone to yeah. really bring her voice alive and. Um, and so I think those are things that for me made Lonely Runs Both Ways stand out so much that when we finally got to Paper Airplane, because there was the time, there was Raising Sand, you know, all these things in the middle, I was like, oh. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you want that band back together again. Yeah. Right? You feel like you want a reunion, even though they're not, you know they're not going their own separate ways, but you want them back. Um yeah, the Paper Airplane one, in terms of the songwriters, actually, that to me is one of the more interesting aspects because a, some, several of the songs I knew. So when I saw the oh, track okay. listing, I was excited. There's a Jackson Brown song yep. on there that I knew very well. There's a Richard Thompson song yes, on there that I love that. I knew That's very like well. my, that one in Paper Airplane. Oh, and there's a Laura McKenna cut too. So yes. there are like three songs on there that really. <clears throat> But that's the thing. So there were those two, and I go, okay, I know that. But then I saw that Lori McKenna wrote one, Mm -hmm. and I thought, well, that's going to be a great song. Mm -hmm. Um, Angel Snow and uh, her brother Victor Krause wrote a song together, and I like Angel Snow a lot too, and I thought, well, that'll be a good one too. I feel like there's another one on there where there was somebody else who wrote one, and I remember thinking, this is going to be so fantastic. I recognize all these people. The songs I don't know are all by writers I know and really like. And uh, did she do an Afi O'Donovan one yes, on that record? I think so. I think that was the other one. That's maybe the first time I heard saw her name in yeah. print. Yeah. So um, I will not try to pronounce it because I will mess it up. <laughs> I think it's well, and I've even met her, um, Afi. Yeah. So I think that's how it's said. I didn't say her name to her, but I think that's how it's said. <laughs> yes, there is an Afi O'Donovan, and there's a Tim O'Brien song. Yeah. Uh, there's a song that was co-written by Chris Stapleton and Barry Bales. Interesting. Um, before okay. anyone was talking about Chris Stapleton. Right. Um, so, yeah, you're right. She does know who to go to in terms of, like, songwriters. She does keep going back to the same well when it works for her, when it, like, represents mm-hmm. something from her voice. But she's also really good in terms of, like, figuring out the new writers. Like, you know, Lori oh, McKenna yeah. was certainly not a new writer, but, you know, in terms of... Um, she's smart the choices that she makes are very smart and even when she goes with somebody like she covered very early in her career she covered a Sean Colvin song yeah Blue Sky well, no she did um, I Don't Know Why oh I Don't Know Why that's what it is sorry yeah, yeah. no it's okay um, I don't know why. She, and they did a fast version. So mm-hmm. I've, I I know Sean a little bit and I've opened for her a bunch of times. And in fact, I did I Don't Know Why on a live record oh, that I did. And so when I gave song. Sean that record, um, she, you know, she thanked me and she said, oh, you and Alison Krauss with this song. You're like, yeah, we're the same. <laughs> and I said, Alison yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily... <laughs> I think I made a joke about the royalties would be better from Alison Krauss than they were from me. But um, 
yeah, it's that whole thing of like, she's smart. She makes yep. really good choices. And interesting choices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, R.L. Castleman from the stories that I've heard was, you know, just he's a was truck driver who was a songwriter and he happened to be at a party that she was at. Really? Playing music. And I mean, this is all just what I've heard. So, but, and then he like, you know, she was like, I need tape and, you know, I, the only other person that I know that's recorded his stuff is Alan Jackson and that's because Alison Krauss produced the album. Right. So, has she done much producing? I know she's very famous for, of course, doing Nickel Creek's right. first two records. Yep, and then she does the Cox Family. Oh, she's done okay. a couple of theirs, and she made a record with them too. Right, and then she's and then this the one she did for Alan Jackson is actually I think an outstanding al- is it? album, and it's really um, it's an interesting choice for him to have made because there was not uh, it wasn't going to be like a radio thing, right. you know. But um, but it's beautiful. It's nice. a really beautiful album and hearing his voice in songs that are a little bit more like complex and a, mm-hmm. and darker was really interesting. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, okay, so with your stories a minute ago about Nashville, have you ever met Alison Krauss? I've met her a really? couple times. Yeah. Nice. Like, I should I have got my picture down with my like, yes. little signed? <laughs> yes, afterwards. Okay. Afterwards. I met her, so the first time I met her was in 2000. Uh, the fall of 2001, I guess. I was student teaching in Chicago through the Lawrence University like a program, and somehow we got connected with her bus driver. Like someone I knew okay. knew her bus driver. We had tickets to the show. My one of my best friends came down um, from Minnesota to go to the concert with me at the Chicago Theater, and somehow this bus driver connection paid off, and we really? got to go meet her. Like we got to go to their green room. Wow. And so the picture... That really does pay off. Right. I was... And so the picture is me and my friend and Allison and then Jerry Douglas is like in the background photobombing. Not really photobombing, but he's there. And then a few years later, I saw that their bus driver had passed away and I was so sad because I was like, I mean, sad for humanity reasons and then selfishly like, oh my gosh, you don't know, but you had this like big moment for me, you know, because it was huge. I'd never met a famous person, much less someone who I was kind of obsessed with, right? That's a big deal. I mean, I taught myself to play guitar from from the Now That I Found You tab book. Yeah. That's how, you know, it just, all those songs are so crucial to me. And then in Nashville, I met her at the Lonely Runs Both Ways, um, release party and then also she came into my restaurant a couple times and sat at my bar with her son wow. with the engineering friend that I had and wow um so that's weird when <laughs> Allison Krauss just shows up my bar so my bar connection was pretty good because he also like brought in Chris Thiele one time and then once I got to go over and sit over at their house or his house which used to be her house and has the studio in the garage and so like I was in the living room, and Dan Tominski was there, and Chris Thiele was there, wow. and like they're talking, and I'm just kind of sitting there, like, oh my gosh! And then there's a like a speaker that comes through, and she's like talking through the speaker, like, all right, guys, come back in. And I was like, I'm just gonna sit here, just <laughs> kind of pretending I belong. Oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that's a, that's incredible. Those are my little stories. That's great. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you got to meet her. She seems like somebody who she was so nice. Yeah, Sorry, I didn't impossible. finish that. She was nice. completely completely nice. Yeah, very, nice. very kind. Cool. Um, okay, this seems like as good a time as any. Let's take a little break. I'm going to do the <laughs> song. And uh, yeah, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the great Allison Krauss. We'll Yay. be right back.
Put it all behind me Nothing left to do or doubt Some may say That every silver lining Always seems to have a cloud That comes my way Anticipated pleasure Or unexpected pain No choice I Love is hard to measure Hidden in the rain That's why you'll find me Here all alone And still wondering why Waiting inside For the cold to get colder And here where it's clear That I've wasted my time Hoping to fly it's almost over now People come together People go their own way Love conquers few And I'll do whatever I say what I need to say Just not for you How many days Should I smile with a frown Cause you're not around with the sun on your shoulders And how many nights must I wake up alone And know in my soul That it's almost over now Like a paper airplane Flying in the folded dent Riding high, dipping low Then innocence is fair game I'm hoping I can hold it in My love will die Back for the Joni Mitchell podcast with Sarah Morris. We're here to talk about Allison Krauss. Uh, thank you again for doing this. Well, this thank you for fun. having me. This is super fun. I like to geek out and go deep. Me too. Mm-hmm. And Allison Krauss is a great one to, to do this on. Okay, so typically after we get back in the second half, I ask people for their top five Joni records. <laughs> would you be willing to do a top five Allison Krauss? You want to do songs? I think I would do songs. Okay. Give us your top um, five. Okay, so my very favorite Alison Krauss performance this song was written by Hugh Prestwood it's called Ghost in This House oh and it was on Forget About It that. and it kills me yep I mean I think it's a perfect song I do too I just 
I think you can just throw your pen down and be done if well, you write that. Like, <laughs> and the way she sings. And it. she sings it so amazingly. I've never heard, uh, someone else did record it. I think Shenandoah, a country band, but but I don't know. No one else should sing it. That's a showstopper. Have you so, seen her do that live? Yes. Like yeah. it stops. It the does night. stop the night. Yeah. Right. It's so good. And I feel like she she kept doing it for a long time. I feel like once. Um, you know, the things broke with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, that maybe they did Down to the River to Pray as a showstopper instead. But for me, it's always Ghost in This House. Ghost in This House. Well, and it's it might be one of those songs, too, where it's just so involving um, that for a while you kind of have to stop doing it. And Bonnie yeah. Raitt actually did that with Angel from Montgomery mm. for a while, where... Uh, like she just had to stop singing yeah. it for a while and then it came back and now when she sings it she's lost you know parents and a brother and everything yeah. so now it's even it's more a new story yeah and it might be a similar situation to that where like it needed to go away for a little while so that it could be perfect again when it yeah. came back because you don't want to sing a song like that if you're not 100 percent right. invested that's a true story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I put down the song Stars from New Favorite. Now, New Favorite's kind of a perfect album. Yeah. Um, but I really love the song Stars. It's got a slightly different song structure and some really immaculate lyrics in there mm-hmm. that uh, get my lyricist heart fluttering really, yeah. really, really deep. So even though I think a lot of people on that album choose New Favorite by Gillian Welch. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that is beautiful. But I picked Stars. Um, I it doesn't matter is a song off so long so wrong written yeah, by Harley one. Allen. He's a was you know a champion songwriter just um, and that's a beautiful song. Uh, for all the R.L. Kasimin songs that she's included on her albums, it's really hard for me to pick which one I loved the most. But I picked Crazy as Me mm-hmm. um, off of Lonely Runs Both Ways. My husband and I almost had the phrase Crazy as Me engraved in our wedding bands. And <laughs> really? then we were like, it's not enough. Uh, there's not enough room. But I rem- just loved the the sentiment of like, of we're crazy in the same way, which yeah. not necessarily is what the song about, but it's a beautiful. It is a gorgeous song. Beautiful song. And then kind of going old school, I picked I've Got That Old Feeling mm-hmm. off I've Got That Old Feeling. That's that album is amazing. Yeah. I just, I think it's, you know, her last real bluegrass sounding mm-hmm. album. And it's the last one that she did before she became, before she came into like the general consciousness with the baby now that I found you and all that. Um, when she was maybe more bluegrass fans only. I sing that song in shows a lot. Do you? Um, or duo shows anyways, because it's just a really, it's a really good song and that's I feel like you get her bluegrass tone mm-hmm. those albums are produced a little differently and then is that five? One, two, three, four, four. then I put every time we say goodbye one of my all time favorites yeah. too um, that's I did a good that. list it is I did that song in my senior recital did you really? I did and um, I think you might have told me that <laughs> right so for my senior recital you know I had to do I did some arias from the Ballad of Baby Doe. I did a couple art songs, and then my teacher was like, you know, you can do some country music. So what I did was, um, I think I did When You Say Nothing At All. I did Oh Atlanta, and Every Time We Say Goodbye. All off Baby Doe, I found you. I do love Oh Atlanta, and anytime I I do do that in performance, it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I love Every Time We Say Goodbye, and Heather Anderson, did you ever know her? She was at Lawrence. No. Well, she's a dear friend of mine. She played tambourine. This is how we did it at Lawrence. It was like I, Andy Hackbarth. Did you know him? I know the name. Yep. Yeah. So he was a classical guitar major, but he like, so he played his classical guitar, but on these Alison Krauss tracks, and then I had tambourine, and that was like 
that's my band. Nice. That's my Lawrence band. And uh, but it was really fun, and I should sing that song again. You should. It's a good song. That's a great song, mm-hmm. and that's when. I don't know. It's it's hard sometimes when you're covering somebody that's so close to you for a couple reasons. And the other side of it is, it depends on the gig, of course. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're going to do a Beatles song, don't do Let It Be right. is always my attitude. Do something, I mean, not that the Beatles have very many obscure songs, but don't do, or like, you know, if you're going to do a Johnny Cash song, for the love of God, don't do Ring <laughs> right. of Fire. Unless everybody's drunk and they're begging right. you. In that there case, There are you those instances where, yes, right. you have to do that. But with Alison Krauss, it's, you know, she's hugely popular. She's mm-hmm. sold millions and millions of records. She's won more Grammys than anybody. That's right. Um, but I think you could get away with covering the big hits with Alison Krauss. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what the difference is, but I think there. I think you can do that with her because people just want to hear these songs. Yeah. And they're not overdone. They're not so blasted. I guess maybe it's just they're more contemporary than the previous examples. Well, which we've they've had never had the radio. Years. I think because right. they didn't have a radio component. Right. So I think that changes anyone's exposure to them. Yeah. You're in control of your con- exposure to mm-hmm. any of these songs, except for the Oh Brother Where Art Thou songs, where I feel like there was nowhere mm-hmm. you could go that year that you weren't hearing Oh Brother Where Art Thou songs. I yeah. felt like it was happening a lot. But um, So I think that that changes things. I do I do Lucky One as well. That's the other Alison Cross one that I do. Um, I have covered that song a lot yeah. a few times, too. It's a good song. It's a good one. And I like the story of it that, you know, it was written from... It wasn't meant to be sad, right? It was... He wrote it as "I'm the lucky one," oh. and then she was like, "We can't, we can't do that. Right? We're gonna make it sad." So here you go. Interesting. <laughs> I yeah, I remember that song when it came out. I think it was Elton John. Somebody wrote like, "This is gonna be the next huge song." Somebody mm. somebody made this big proclamation, and it is a really great song. It's yeah, it's just everything about it. that whole record is so good. Though. It is. Um, okay, just to touch on since I mentioned the Grammy thing, I wrote down a few things about. Yeah. She, she's won twenty eight. Grammys. Which is the most of anybody. Right? Well, sort no? of. She's tied for second with Quincy Jones. Okay. There's um, a classical conductor. I think his name is George Salty. Oh, sure. I've seen that name. Didn't he do like the London Symphony yeah, or something? Yeah. He has 31. Wow. So geez. she, <laughs> the most awarded vocalist. Yes. Because Quincy, I think most of his were for producing and then the other guy's a conductor. So in terms of that yeah. kind of performing, and of course, she's also the most um, awarded female artist in history, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most awarded vo- vocalist ever is that's a big she's deal. She's the best. That's she's what it the is. best. She's <laughs> more awarded than Aretha Franklin. Yeah, I mean, I remember when it came out that she surpassed her. Like yeah. they were tied, and then she. Which is funny because that night, I can't remember which record it was, but she won three, and Aretha the same night won one oh. too. So it was like one of those things where could have gone. It could have gone either right. way. Yeah, I suppose. Although different <laughs> categories, of course. Um, yeah, her output is kind of insane. She's put out seventeen, or the seventeenth will be out with Windy City. Mm-hmm. That it, that does include three compilation records. So I guess. 14 records in terms of like new material and there's one live in there too. Well, she always puts a new song or two on the compositions. That's kind of crazy. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, to to have that kind of output over, I guess, really 30 years since 1985. Well, and she's guested on, I mean, she's like, it's like her, I mean, in Nashville, I feel it was like her, Emmylou, and Vince Gill, like that's who you're going to for backup if you want a special backup backup vocal that's right. maybe Leanne Womack eventually was there too but like yeah. those are the those are the voices that are gonna stand out and I think it's 
it's one thing to have a voice that's impressive on its own, but it's right. a whole nother thing where your talent is helping other people Blue, shine. Yeah. I mean, Whiskey Lullaby is another yeah. performance that's like, you know, I feel like that's kind of iconic and that brought her deeper into, or wider audience. Yeah. Mm. Actually, believe it or not, one of the things I wrote down here was, do you have favorite backup vocal, harmony vocal things? Moments. We're kind of talking about it already, but yeah, she is known for that. I can mm. think of a few. She, again, going back to Sean Colvin, just because she's so huge for me, she did, she sat, well, not sat in, she did a couple songs on Sean's really most recent original record, mm. uh, which was produced by Buddy Miller. Um, some really nice stuff on that. And uh, and actually, she she and Sean did a great version of The Boxer for a Paul Simon Gershwin oh, Prize I heard thing. that. Yeah. And, and actually, Jerry Douglas plays on it, too. Mm. They should always sing together. Yeah. I mean, like, blend of their two voices. If if either one of them was opening to do a duet record, I know Sean just did that with Steve Earle. Right. And Alison Krauss just did that with Robert Platt. So maybe they don't want to do the duo thing. Well, they haven't done the two ladies duo, so. Holy cow. Their are voices just... Are you listening, just... Alison and Sean? <laughs> I'm sure Come you are. On. Yeah. Uh, well, Sean might about a Joni Mitchell podcast. That's right up her alley. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, they just should sing forever yeah. together. And and similarly, uh, Allison did a really nice job on Dar Williams' uh, "The Beauty of the Rain" record. Mm. Nice. I haven't you, heard that, but I need oh, to listen. So good. Okay. Do you have any other uh, like? Well, I think "Whiskey Lullaby" for me, even though it's like really well known, is probably. Um, one of my favorites. She did harmonize. She did some backup work on some of Vince Gill's albums, and those mm-hmm. were always highlights for me because I love his voice as well. Yeah. And um, she's on High Lonesome Sound is one of his songs that she sang on, and that's just it's fantastic. And um, yeah, I think the Whiskey Lullaby will always be the, my favorite though. That song is really perfectly mm-hmm. written as well. Yeah, it's got like one of the best opening lines. <laughs> What is the opening line? I don't she put him out like the burning end of a midnight cigarette. Oh, what? That is a good line. What? Um, <laughs> one of the things that I was struck by recently, it kind of goes into similar territory, but veers off in its own way. And it also brings up Emmylou, who we were just talking mm-hmm. about, was Emmylou, I think, just spearheaded um, a re-release of the trio records that she made mm, in yes. the 80s and 90s with Dolly Parton and Linda Ronstadt. They yeah. just put out this really nice like three-disc version of it. And I had forgotten that for the second trio record, which was in the late 90s, Alison Krauss is the fiddler on it. She plays. Oh, that's the one that I have is their second one. I love that album. Yeah. It's a really good Alison Krauss is all over that mm. record. Actually, I think some of the guys from Union the Station, band. I think, that might be sense. on it. Um, but that was one of those choices where, I mean, come on, Dolly Parton, Emmy Lewis, right. and Linda Ross, they could have chosen anybody, anybody. anybody. <laughs> and of course, uh, and that was the thing when I was re-listening to some of these records that struck me too, is we've been talking about how amazing her voice is and there's no better voice. As strange as this is, she's a really underrated fiddler. She's very good. She's an insanely good right. musician. I mean, that's how she started. I feel right. like that was the... That was what brought her to the attention of record label people. You yeah. know, it was bluegrass festivals and her fiddling prowess. I mean, it's hard to say somebody who's won 28 Grammys is underrated, mm-hmm. but I genuinely think no, as, yeah, a, people, as a violinist she right. is. And that goes back to, you know, when she plays the fiddle, how tasteful she is. Yep. I feel like sometimes people want the pyrotechnics or whatever. Yeah, and, um, but she can do that too. She can, yeah. She can let loose with an amazing solo. It kind of... 
in a in a way reminds me of the Dixie Chicks for that same mm-hmm. reason. Yeah, those are all They're insanely so talented musicians. Right, all three of them are. I mean, otherworldly in yeah. terms of their playing. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of playing, and the difference between them and Nickel Creek. Uh, to me, Nickel Creek has always been hard to listen to because those three are so otherworldly that it's it makes me want to quit. I'm done. Yeah. The, the Dixie Chicks and Allison Cross. I don't mean that in it's a derogatory way. It's it's so much more I totally accessible. Get that. I don't know why. I know why. The first time I saw Nickel Creek in concert was at House of Blues in Chicago, and it was like they you know did all their album stuff, and then they're like, well, this is something from our avant garde period, and it was like in seven four, and I was like, what? What are you? <laughs> you guys are crazy in the best way, but I think that does that puts them in a it's. It gets you a little farther away sometimes from just the music right. because you're now there's a little bit more brain space yeah. going on and and I can't even I mean, fault them genius. for that because they're no. all on the level of being so insanely talented mm. that like at a certain point you have when you're that good you have to go there for your own artistic satisfaction you have to push yourself yeah and they're so far above me that they can like push themselves in a way that I won't get it right. as well. But I will say, I've seen Nickel Creek in concert two or three times too, and it's an insanely fun show. Oh my gosh, they're so much fun. Sarah Watkins is similar to Allison Krausen that, you know, her voice is often used for backups. She has yes. like an angelic voice. Yeah. Uh, and she's probably an underrated fiddle player too. Oh, very much Because so. I just saw her in the patty. Um, I did too. Were you there? I was there <laughs> at St. Kate's. Yeah, and she, was, I mean, her fiddle additions were so were so awesome. Like they were, she, yeah. she was, that's my, I love the word awesome, you guys. I'm addicted to it. But. To tell you the truth, going into that show, now Sarah Watkins is one of the people I've tried to get many times for the Song at Eight Project. Can't get an answer from her, but that's <laughs> fine. Um, and uh, so that tour was Patty Griffin, Sarah Watkins, and Anais Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Now, Patty Griffin, I've already said on record, like I'm obsessed with her. Patty Griffin yeah. is just the top of the line. She is. And, like perfect. Yep. And Naos Mitchell, I'm a huge fan of, too. Mm-hmm. Sarah Watkins, I am, but it's that thing we were just talking about. So to tell you the truth, I went into that show kind of least excited about Sarah uh, Watkins. Sure. I would never have, you know, verbalized it that way. Sarah Watkins might have stolen that show. She was really good. She was so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, her her energy was kind of funny. Um, yeah. You know, she was very, she was very mellow. She kind of <laughs> downplayed a lot of that. Yeah. It didn't seem like she was really thrilled to be there to me. I don't know. I, it might have been just my but perception I thought the energy of, of the whole show was kind of odd. Yeah. They were, it was like their second to last night or something yeah. like that. We're going to yeah. chalk that up to being tired. That happened. They, it was a very long tour. Yeah. Yeah. For them. Um, but, and you know, all three of them were so good. Anais just seemed like just thrilled to be invited to the right. party right. and Patty hear that it was so good to see her I've seen her so many times over the years and when I when I first started seeing her show she was really just kind of starting out and she had this timid quality to her and she Thank just God. ran that show yeah. she was just she was so emphatic about what she was doing and she's taken a confidence in her style yeah. that is really refreshing and really awesome I mean mm-hmm. she's really blossomed as a live performer. I agree. I, She's I so saw good. her at Pantages for American Kid and it was similar. Look at us talking about Patty. I know. Sorry, we got off on It's very I, easy they, to do. Well it's a, <laughs> there is a connection of course. She, they're they're all connected in their own yeah. way. And of course Sarah Watkins, that was how we started with that. The comparisons between Sarah Watkins and Alison Krauss are endless. Right. Because I think they're very I think that they've played similar roles in yeah. lots of um 
groups and and yes I think they're both probably underrated fiddle players and they get you know they have such beautiful and specific voices that yeah that that gets talked about more basically everybody we're talking about in this episode is the best of the, the best. very best of the best it's true I hope I haven't come across <laughs> sounding negative about anybody because honestly they're just all right. perfect yeah. people yeah um, okay so last thing I always ask people uh, to give me some suggestions of people you've been listening to so mm-hmm. I, usually it's non-Joni people now it's non-Joni or Alison Krauss people <laughs> who are you listening to right now online? right so I became obsessed with Jason Isbell last summer and mm-hmm. the obsession is real and it is deep I am he's a real deal I'm it's I've never been um, into a male musician in this way right. and I feel because I feel like I just identify so much with the lyrical content of female singer songwriters but uh but he blows me away yeah and so so that's kind of been nobody better out there and, and his no. wife amanda shire is she's so good and her too. album is really good too yeah. her new album is very good um but it, i'm too obsessed with him to yeah to get too obsessed with her <laughs> then it would be like weird i'd be obsessed with the whole couple and yeah. you know um i wrote down so laurie mckenna just had a new album come out and laurie mckenna is kind of and she just won the grammy or I the know. cma for song of the year for second Humble and year kind. in a row and I, her story to me, I mean, that's one of the reasons that when I had kids that I kicked it up because yeah. she's had just five kids and did all this, you know, she had the kids early and then the music career and, you know, was writing songs at the kitchen table while their kids at her feet, or at least this is how I've romanticized it, you know, and then she went to Nashville and she's has a really unique balance of writing for herself putting out these artist albums that are beautiful and then writing for Nashville artists you know writing songs like co-writing Girl Crush and then solo writing Humble and Kind and the stuff that she did for Faith and well they were her songs but um, she's had other things for Tim as well and I feel like that that's just so outstanding to me and it's really as a as a full artist like currently my biggest inspiration is like look at this woman Look how badass she is. She is. And she's... She's the definition of badass. Yeah, I mean, I just... I don't know. And I feel like her... When I hear cuts from other... You know, performed by other people, and I yeah. know she's on there, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Laura McKenna. Yep. You might have co-written it, but I feel like you were just sitting in the corner, you know, because, like... Yeah. I know her runs. I know... I I mean, I feel like I know she's, all these things. She's got a... She's got a way of writing. Speaking of people who write sad songs, she's yeah. up there too. Some of her songs cut you deep. Jason Isbell too, actually. Elephant mm-hmm. is just yes. It's a perfect song. It is perfect. Um, with Laurie McKenna, the one thing I want to say about her is it, it doesn't mean anything in the scheme of things, but like she's with for me the one thing that I really take ownership of. I think it's really happened with Patty Griffin and Laurie McKenna, and actually there's some similarities between the two, but they're the two people who I felt like I discovered when they were first starting yeah. and there's always an yep. ownership of like when you when like nobody knows who they are especially here because they both started out like in Boston right really. that's true and were huge out there on the east coast for right. long before they would come here and play Lori's and, never been here that I know of has she's, she? she has she's done the like nor- she has, I don't know if she's played in Minneapolis but she did um she did this thing in Bemidji earlier this summer what? yeah it, she, why didn't I know she was in Bemidji? I would have gone to Bemidji <laughs> Um, I miss that. But but they do, um, you know, where you kind of take pride, but also it's it's this weird. I don't know if I should even admit this, but like you don't want them to get so huge because it feels like you knew about them yeah. before anybody else. They're and there's, they're, they're yeah, and that. you know what? It's almost like 
you don't want it, but you do. You want them to have all the success in yeah. the world, but you also it it comes down to this. You want all the success for them, but you also want to be able to see them in those little intimate right. rooms. Absolutely, still. yeah. I don't want to see anybody excel ever. Do you know that? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I like have no interest in those shows. I <laughs> yeah. don't. Even if it was my favorite person, I think I would be like, okay. Yeah. It's for anybody who doesn't know, oh, sorry, the Excel yes. Center is like the arena here. Right. Because yeah. what you said there is you don't want to see anybody excel, which makes oh, it sorry. Like you don't want them to do <laughs> yes, well. Yes, at the Excel Center. I don't want to the see Excel anybody Center is like the basketball in arena. the arena. Actually, it's, it's, a ho- hockey. it's a hockey arena. Right. Yeah, Target Center. I don't want to see anybody at the big arenas. I like the small places. Yeah. And that's Yeah, that's a better way of articulating it. Than I, did I did just sit like... At the Amer- I went to Americana Fest and Laurie McKenna was on a panel. It was Laurie McKenna, Radney Foster, and Jim Lauderdale. And they were each talking about a song that they've written that went to also was also cut by another artist and yeah. became a radio thing. And so I got to sit. I mean, she's pretty much right where you are, like wow. very close to me. And I got to see her sing. She only sang Humble and Kind, which is one song, but it was still very... Oh, she's saying... She went to shake her hand or anything? No. It didn't look like she wanted to shake hands, but I get that. There was like a whole room of like people staring at her with adoration. I mean, that's that's a lot. Yeah. She's she's really having a moment. But the funny thing is she's had a lot of moments. She has. Over the years. The Faith Hill she was on, Oprah. You know, I mean, like she's had that kind of career where she's had really high peaks Mm -hmm. and she's really had no valleys other than when she's very seemingly, to me, intentionally taken herself out. Right. She hasn't wanted to go there. Yeah, no. Her records, seems... like you say, they're artist records. They're, mm-hmm. She's not trying for the hits. No. Uh, the only one that she did was the one that Tim McGrath produced. Right. Which is actually a really great album. I know. That's such and, a great record. Uh, Bitter Town. And I... No, he did Unglamorous. Oh, oh, Bitter Town right. was right before it. But, yeah, you're right. Um, it's interesting to listen to that. I mean, I feel like... I don't know the whole story, but just the fact that he produced it, like, it doesn't... It sounds like he was really respectful of like who she is yeah. and wasn't like let's make country hits. Let's he I get the feeling like there was let's make a great record right. right here right now. And he's smart enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um so Laura McKenna huge for me. Um I wrote down a couple other people is I mean I'm a country music lover and I um, not necessarily what's on the radio right now, but I wrote down Miranda Lambert and Eric Church because I think they're people who our singer-songwriters, they do a lot of co-writing for yeah. sure, but they release albums that walk a mainstream, not mainstream line. Sure. Like, they test the boundaries. And uh, Eric Church's last two albums, The Outsiders and Mr. Misunderstood, are both, like, they have radio hits, but they're not following any of the... They're not, it's not following any of the formula of what right. would make a radio hit. And, and I just... I'm inspired by people who like are able to walk that balance because I think you know I, Mariah Carey. It go back. I always have like a affinity for some of that that pop that like that structure. Um, and Miranda Lambert's got a double disc collection coming out. I've heard that's gonna be really good. I'm pretty actually. excited about it. Um, she has some co-writes on there with Shane McAnally, who's oh, yeah. my favorite national. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. anytime I like a song on the radio, I go and I'm like, well, of course he wrote it. Yeah. You know, of course he was in the room or whatever, because he just. He, he does really interesting things. Um, so we're going to put them as a, as a... We're going to put a slash and they count together. <laughs> now, it, with him, are you a Casey Musgraves? Yeah. yeah. I, I very like much her like too. her albums and um, her songs and production. and Because they write a lot together. Mm-hmm. And I think he produced... Um, I don't know. He's Pageant material, the new one? Maybe. Or the older I one. don't know. Um, what about... Uh, 
the other one that oh Brandy Clark. Do you yeah, like Clark? I do like Brandy Clark. Um, I like her first album more than the second one, and I like the second one, the one that just came out, which is Big Day in a Small Town. I do like yeah. it, but the stories all felt like it. To- it made me feel a little bit like they were like you need to be more of a character. Yeah. Rather than just writing that. some of your like heart songs. Yeah. Um, Very clever record though. So clever, right? But I feel like I only want a little clever. Okay. In my life, I want. Yeah, clever sometimes can be. It can feel like it's disguising genuine. Right. Yeah. So I want to know, but she's she's got everything. You know, yeah. I will buy any album she puts out because I know there's more in there. Um, I wrote down Sarah Siskind. Have you yeah. heard of Sarah Siskind? Yes. yes, I love her. She's someone that and, and Alison Moore. So these oh, both of these women choice. are like similar to me in that the first time I heard their voice recorded. It did not affect me. Or they're both altos, and I probably lean towards sopranos. You know, yeah, whatever. Sure. I was like, okay, yeah, I get this. I like your songs. But then I saw them both live, and I was like, I am so on your t- team. Where did you see Allison? I saw Allison at um, 12th and Porter. Oh, okay. Which is in Nashville. I was going to say, she hasn't come here in a long time. I've been hoping Yeah, she I've would never come. seen her here. Um, it was... It was just 12th and Porter, which is a yeah. kind of like a fur, well, smaller than First Ave. I don't know, maybe like a turf or something. Yeah. Turf club. And um, she did a couple shows there. One that I saw her at, and it was amazing. And she's just a completely engaging performer. And I just read that she's going to do a duo album now with Shelby Lynn. Yeah. Well, they're sisters. Well, yes, but now they're going to do an official album right. together. But um, on the heels of, she released a couple, Allison Moore released a couple. Um, major label records right. in the mid-2000s with, uh, God, what was it called? It's a defunct label. But um, one was called Miss Fortune, like Miss yeah. Fortune. Yeah. And that album was really amazing. And then she released a live DVD yeah. CD show. And I couldn't go get the night off work. And my husband and my best friend both went. And they just like would not stop raving about how amazing this yeah. performance was. And so then I would like get it and watch it. I'm like, it's so amazing. I can't believe I wasn't She's there. She's great. She's so good. Her songs are so good. With Miss Misfortune, I like wrote down the first line of every song. She's very economical. Yeah. And very hard. Like, yeah. it's somehow, it, it really walks she's, side by side there. She's very much a person that I, um, yeah, I buy everything of hers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Sarah Siskind also shows, yeah. she's had some Alison Krauss songs. Mm-hmm. She had um, a track on Lonely Runs Both Ways, and I think one on mm-hmm. A Thousand Miles, or A Million Miles, yeah. or more, what I, this I, I thought it was A Thousand, but maybe, I think. Whatever, The Number of Miles, which was a compilation album right. that had a couple new songs. Getting and, Through December was on that right, one. I like that right? one. Right? And um, she did Simple Love on that one. She wrote that. Yeah, yeah. Sarah Siskin did. And um, I've seen her at a couple smaller venues in Nashville. And just her live performance, extremely engaging. And she has an album called Say It Louder that's just really great. And I used it as a, um, it rocks pretty hard. Like, she's got some serious electric guitar on there. Nice. So I used it as a model when I try to find things for my band to listen to when we're going into the studio it's sometimes hard to find things that have electric guitar as a bass but Thomas Nordland my electric guitar player is like a real key part of things so um, we use that some of the tracks from that is like a let's AB it with a sound nice. that's cool yeah so that is great that's a great list those are my that's my list that, I mean those I are all people I had I to love. stop but yeah no, but that's, that's um that's what I got. That's great. Sarah Siskin recently did a bunch of the songs for Nashville, the show. Oh, yeah. 
So that's like another way to keep finding her. Yeah, I have some friends who've done that too. They're 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 smart that show. Although I think they're the show is no well now more. they're on. It's gonna be on CMT. Oh, is it? Yep. Oh, it's it got going. saved. Okay. Good. It is good. It's good for the town of Nashville. It's good for songwriters because there aren't a lot of... Yep. You need more places for those songs to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I Thank you for we, having me. Can we do this again sometime? <laughs> yes, this was let's a do it really again. enjoyable one for me. I'm so glad <laughs> that we were able to do this. To tell you the truth, I wasn't, as I told you before we started, I hadn't done one that wasn't about Joni, so it yeah. was much more relaxed in terms of I didn't know what to prepare and all of that, but I, it was lovely. It was really great. Good. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for including me. Um, of course. So, yeah, we'll we'll be back at some point. Maybe we'll talk about Mariah Gary. Right? Who only knows. I don't um, want a lot for Christmas. <laughs> now I have to pay royalties. <laughs> oh, sorry. Just kidding. Do you need me to, like, mix it up or something? Yeah. Yeah. We'll auto-tune that. Nobody will know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next time, everybody.